Well, let's pray together, and then we'll jump into John chapter 11 for a few moments. Father, thank you for our church, and Lord, what a privilege it is to serve you here. And I thank you for the years of folks that have served faithfully, you know, since the 50s through this ministry here in our community. And I thank you for our Sunday school teachers and our equipped class teachers. I thank you for the teachers in our school and those that serve in the lunchroom and and do recess and just so faithfully fulfill the role that they have here in our ministry. I thank you for the Rescue House and that organization and allowing us to be a part of that. And I pray that you would continue to help us, uh, Lord, as we labor for you. And may we see great fruit for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look into your word, Father, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles back to John chapter 11. We've been going through the Gospel of John. Uh, For those of you that are visiting, we've been, uh, I think this is our 38th message in the Gospel of John. We started it last year and we'll be finishing up, Lord willing, uh, towards the end of this year um, But as we move through the Gospel of John. Uh, But now we're in John chapter 11 and this is a a familiar story with many that have been in church for any length of time and it's the story, uh, the situation where Lazarus dies and his sister sends his sister send for Jesus, and Jesus delays his coming. And we looked at that a little bit last week about the relationships that Jesus had and uh, the personal relationships that he had with these people and the importance of that. But today we come to uh, John chapter 11, and we're in verse number, beginning in verse number 7, but I want to read verse 16 as we jump in here in this section. Verse 16, the Bible says, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. And so really the title of my message is this, would you go? Would you go? If Thomas said to you, let us go that we might die with him, would you go? First of all, I want us to look at the context of this passage. Jesus began his earthly ministry by turning the water into wine uh, there at the wedding. But then he goes on to do his public ministry, his public miracles, that, and to show that he is the Son of God. And John told us in, in chapter 20 that I've given you these miracles, I've showed you these signs, so that you might know Jesus, that you might know that he's the Son of God, and that you might believe and re- receive Uh, eternal life. And so then John lays out for us these seven miracles, these seven signs proving the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that he's going to be the Savior and to really lay out from why chapters 12 and following are going to happen and why he's ultimately going to the cross and why we should believe in him. The problem is, is that Jesus did many of these miracles on the Sabbath. And of course, you had the religious leaders who did not like that. They did not believe in Jesus. They liked their religious system. They, were, they trusted in their religious system and their religious ways more than they did Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so they were angry with him. And so the Bible tells us that they sought to kill him. In chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Verse 39, therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And so multiple times they sought to kill Jesus. And so then we come to chapter number 11. Look with me at verse 7. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. 
And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? And so Jesus presents this situation to his disciples. They, they were there with him the last couple of days. They heard the message that Lazarus was sick. They, they knew that Lazarus was going to die. And yet Jesus waited. And so their obvious thought and question is, okay, we didn't go when we found out that Lazarus was sick. Why are we going to go now? Because if you go... If you go, then you might die because they're waiting there to kill you. You know, a lot of us are just like the disciples. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll meet with somebody and, and I'll have great plans and ideas. And a lot of times uh, I think, well, let me say all the time, I think my ideas are great. All right. They're amazing because I came up with them. Right. Uh, but sometimes I'll sit down with somebody and I'm laying out the plan and I'm excited about the program and what we're going to do. And you know what drives me crazy? I can see it on their face. All they're doing is thinking of what could go wrong. All they're doing is thinking about the negative side of it. You know, we do that oftentimes in ministry. Like, okay, we, if we do this, how much money is it going to cost us? If we do this, then somebody might get upset or somebody might get angry or these people might not like it. Hey, listen, I have learned a long time ago a couple of things. Number one, most things in ministry cost money. That's just a reality of life. And I learned number two, almost everything I do, somebody's not going to like it. I mean, that's just a reality of life. If you like it, somebody else might not like it. And if they like it, you might not like it. That's just the reality of life. But we constantly look from our human perspective at the negative side. And we look at the problems. And this is what the disciples were doing here in the context of what's going on. They knew that these folks wanted to kill Jesus. They've seen it over and over and over again. And so like many of us, their question is, why would we go? Why would we go if they might kill you? I want you to read on with me there. The Bible tells us that Jesus asked him this question, are there not 12 hours in the day? We'll come back to that. If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they sought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad, and get this, don't miss it, for your sakes, that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Why should we do ministry? Why should we serve God? So that somebody might hear the gospel and believe. Jesus wasn't so concerned about giving up his life and being stoned by these people. He was concerned about the spiritual well-being of his disciples and also those in Lazarus' house and those that were in Lazarus' community. He wanted to make sure that they understood who he was, why he came, and they wanted them to believe and understand. Why do we preach the gospel? Because people are lost in their sin, and they need a Savior, and we preach that they might believe. Why do we have a, a Christian school? Because people in our community need the gospel, and, and kids that are saved need to be discipled. Why do we have a, a, a teen rally and a Harvest Family Night? Why do we do these things? Not, not because they're free, not because they're easy, not because they're without frustration or problems. It's be that somebody might believe. Why do we share tr gospel tracts? 
because somebody might believe. And if we get wrapped up and, and saying, okay, uh, it's going to cost money and, and people aren't going to like it and, and it's going to you know, cost me my time and, and effort that I just don't want to put in. Hey, hey, listen, we're missing the whole point. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our resources. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and going into the hearts and lives of people. And that's the context of what Jesus is trying to, to get them to understand. And that's really the context of the whole gospel of, of John, that you might know Jesus and that you might believe, and believing you might have eternal life. That's really the context of the whole situation. And so number two, then, we see the message here. Go back with me to verse number nine. Jesus answers them, and he really gives them this message. He says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now, the Jews and the Romans in this time commonly regarded the total daylight hours as 12, and the nighttime hours as the other 12. And so literally, Jesus is referring here to these daylight hours. But the message here that he's trying to get across is the daylight hours represented the Father's will. And so Jesus is basically telling them, I am safe in the Father's will. And, uh, and so I need to go and do what God has called me to do. And those that follow me are in the light, and they are also doing the Father's will. And so that's the message that Jesus is trying to get. Doing God's will is more important than my own life. But Jesus also knew that, listen, God's time is not there and, and yet, and, and he could go and he would, he would be safe as he knew over and over and over again throughout the Gospel of John. God had protected him because God had a plan. But the truth is, is doing God's will, doing God's will is more important than my safety and my comfort. And that's hard to get in our human perspective because we, in our, in our, in our frailness and in our humanness, we, we, we tense up and we get afraid and, and we get worried about things and, and, and even we'll, we'll not do what God wants us to do simply because we're afraid. That's why people don't give out gospel tracts because we're nervous about the reaction. We're afraid of what somebody might say to us or how they might, how they might treat us. And Jesus' message here to his disciples is basically, I'm the light of the world, and I'm going to go, and, and I'm going to serve God, and this is God's plan. This is God's plan for me. But where you stumble and where you fall is when you walk in darkness, separate from God's plan and God's will you know, for your life. What are some reasons we don't follow God's will? Well, peer pressure. We're concerned with what other people are going to say or do societal pressure there's a, a pressure on us in society to act a certain way to talk a certain way and you know it's becoming more and more uh in the world today that everybody should be um tolerant of everybody's view unless you're a christian we want you to sit there and be quiet while while we're tolerant of everybody else's view and so many christians are sitting back and they're quiet because they don't want to offend people and we're not serving God and we're not following the will of God all in the, the sake of not offending other people. You know, everywhere Jesus went, he offended people. Not, not in just being rude and mean and, and, and offensive behavior, but by sharing the message of God and the gospel because that's offensive to a lost and dying world. 
And so Jesus tells his disciples he, he must go and he's going to go. Now, the New, the New Testament often refers to this idea of sleep when it comes to death. And, and, and really, the disciples should have known when Jesus used that term, uh, when Jesus used that term uh, because of Daniel chapter 12 and the Bible talking about those that are sleeping and, and referring to those that are being dead. But I love this statement here when Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus basically has to tell them plainly. Jesus has to tell them plainly. You know, I, I struggle in life with people that are passive aggressive or like want to speak in code and I'm like supposed to decipher what they mean in that situation. You know, like it's just, I'm like, just tell me what you want to tell me. Like just, just spit it out. Just, you know, just get it out there and just tell me and let's, let's get it over with, work through it or whatever. Like I don't want to read your mind. I don't want to try to read between the lines. Uh, you know, I always joke with people like, uh, say, you know, when, if you want to have a hard conversation with me, uh, you should probably meet with me or, um, you know, talk to me about it. Um, because if I read your email, I read between the lines. Like I try to read into what you're saying, right? And that's what we all do. Uh, you know, but that, that becomes frustrating, right? When people do that to you, um, you know, trying to guess what you mean or, or trying to twist your words, thinking you mean something else when really what you meant is what you said. And I love how it says here, Jesus basically had to tell him plainly, hey, listen, guys, you should know what I'm talking about, but basically Lazarus is dead. He's dead. And, and you should know that. The truth, but you should also know that there is coming a resurrection. The resurrection for those that are in Christ to life and, and, and uh, eternal life with God, and a resurrection for those that are separated from Christ unto death and damnation and, and the second death separated from God. And so Jesus tells them, but he tells them that we're going to go. If you look back with me in our passage, then, it, then said Thomas, then said Thomas here. You know, most Christians tend to think Thomas is, is a doubter because uh, later on his unwillingness to recognize Jesus and he had to have proof. But here we see Thomas's devotion. I was talking to somebody this week and they, they said they take this passage as, be, as Thomas being, you know, kind of sarcastic. Well, if he's going to go, if he's going to go, let us go too and we'll just all die, we'll just all die with him. But the question that we have before us is would we go? Thomas says to the other disciples there, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. The, listen, their expectation is that when Christ went and these Pharisees got a hold of him, they were going to kill him. And anybody that was associated with him, they probably were going to die too. And so let me ask you this. Would you go? Would you go if it was expected that you might have to give your life? Would you go if it was expected that you were going to have to sacrifice something, something major, something great, even to the point of your life for the cause of Christ? You know, many Christians would shout from the mountaintop, oh, I'd go. I, hey, I, hey, I'd go. I, I'd go. You know, I, I always, it's always sad when you uh, talk to somebody that says, man, I want, to go to, I want to go to China and be a missionary. And then you ask them, hey, when's the last time you shared the gospel here in your city? Well, listen, China, man, they need the gospel and, and they need people. And Hey, when's the last time you served in your Iwana or in your church somewhere and took a little time to serve here? Hey, don't think because you get in a plane or a boat and you go over there, all of a sudden you're going to be spiritual and want to serve God if you're not doing it here. Don't, don't think it's just going to magically turn on because you're in a foreign country. Hey, listen, most likely you'll probably serve less over there because there's no accountability. There's no people watching you and checking on you. It's not going to happen. 
You know, many people would say, hey, I'd go, I'd go anywhere and I'd serve God, and yet they're not doing it right where they are. Oh, I love God and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to serve him. And we don't read our Bible. We, we don't pray. We don't do the little things in life, but yet we'll say, hey, I'll die for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, most of us are never going to have to answer that question. And praise the Lord for that. Most of us are never going to have to put our life on the line when it comes to life or death. But daily, I believe, we answer that question by the way that we live or don't live for Christ here in this world, by the things that we do in our life. Because most of our life shows that our life, our resources, our pride, our issues are more important than anything that God has to offer. So in that moment, when our life is on the line, I guarantee you, your life is going to be more important than than the gospel, than standing true for Christ, just as it is day by day. I hope that you could proudly, with boldness, stand up and say, I would die for Christ. And I hope that it's seen in your life day by day. Because daily you say, I'm living for Christ. The gospel is a priority in my life. I want to glorify him and honor him with my life. The sad commentary is later we're going to see Jesus is taken and the disciples, they disperse. Thomas said, let us go and die. And many of them in that moment Guys that were following Jesus for years had the opportunity to sit at his feet and hear his teaching for years. Dispersed and even to the point where Peter goes against his word that he proclaimed. I'd never, I'd never deny you. And he denied the Lord and when he heard the cock crow, the Lord smote his heart and he realized what he did. Really, the question for us is not would we go and die, but the question is are we living? Are we living for Christ? Are we living for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ?